But we are Light to the Nations Ministries is the name of our, our ministry. Um, I like to say that we're a signs and wonders ministry because many times I'll be teaching and my wife will give me a sign and I wonder what, what does she mean, you know, so, um, I, I'm, I'm trusting that's not going to happen tonight. We have, uh, four children, ten grandchildren, uh, scattered all over the world from Paris, France to California, Oregon, Colorado. Uh, we live in Florida, so here we are. Um, we chose the name Light to the Nations Ministries. It's from Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7. Let me read that to you. Um, verse 6 says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. This is from New American Standard Translation. Uh, so the other translation says a light to the Gentiles. Verse 7 says, To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. And that's really been our heart. We we received that one morning as we were living in Portland, Oregon, and uh, just doing our, our morning devotionals, reading and praying. And, and I read this, and I thought, you know, if we ever go into ministry, that would be a good name for a ministry. And I... Of course, that was the furthest thing from my mind at that moment. I didn't, uh, didn't ever think that we'd be going into actual uh, ministry. But uh, God had other ideas. And uh, maybe we'll get a chance to talk about some of that. But uh, the truth is, Marta has a much more interesting story than I do. Uh, she was born in, in a communist country, communist Hungary. Well, actually, it was Hungary. But they changed the borders, and she ended up being in in Romania, and uh, a lot of a lot of Romania, Serbia, Austria, uh, Slovakia, those surrounding countries all were once part of Hungary. Hungary was at one time three times larger than it is today, and uh, so they were basically trapped in in Romania. Um, they were not allowed to to speak. Hungarian. They, they were no Hungarian schools. Now they've loosened up a bit and, and there are Hungarian schools and, uh, but all of that, all of that, uh, those surrounding countries there were, uh, were at one time all of Hungary. So her, her family escaped from Romania into Hungary and she, she sort of grew up there, became a member of the national volleyball team. Um, She's a very good athlete. I keep telling her, we live on a golf course, I keep telling her she's better than 90% of the ladies that I see out there playing, uh, but I still haven't convinced her to, to really take it take it seriously, so we're working on it. Um, we were married 41 and a half years ago, 1979, even though our marriage license has two different years on it, it was 1979, right? So we, we've been together 41 and a half years. Uh, that's a, that's an interesting story in itself. Um, she's worked in, in retail for a, a lot of years, became a volunteer prayer partner for TBN. From that position, got promoted to a paid position being the prayer director at the, the Portland affiliate of TBN. 
from that position became the station manager at TBN. Now, you want to talk about miracles? That was, that was one of them. And, uh, that's, that's a whole different trail we could get on. But, uh, you know, I, I like to tell people I'm also from a communist country. I was born and raised in Utah. And, uh, born and raised as a Mormon. And, uh, thank God I've been out of the church, that church longer than I was in it now, but I was in it for 32 years and that's all I knew at that, at that time. So, uh, we, uh, as a Mormon, it's, it's very difficult to entertain any, any other kind of thinking. You, I mean, because you're told from the time you're a baby, this is the only true church and all others are an abomination to God. Well, you don't have to be very smart to not mess with abominations of God, you know, no matter what church you're raised in. And, and so I met this lady and, uh, started, started going to church with her at her little spirit-filled Baptist church in Logan, Utah. Now, if, if you want to see something weird, I guess, I guess, unless you were born in that environment where you, you sit and fold hands, you're very reverent, very quiet, nothing, you know, the only amen is at the end of the closing prayer. Uh, there were people raising their hands, saying amen, right in the middle of the pastor's sermon. I thought, how disrespectful. And I'm, I was the only one that wore a, a jacket and tie. Every, it was, it was a hippie movement, 70s, and, and, uh, everybody was in, uh, very casual, I'll put it that way. So, uh, that's, that's my first exposure to this, but I went with her to a second chapter of Acts concert in, uh, South High School in, in Salt Lake City, Utah, and that's where I got born again. Uh, pretty much against my will, really, at that time, because my, my whole thinking was, you know, I, I never got to go on a Mormon mission. I, I was drafted into the, military into the navy at that time back in 65 and so i thought well this is my mission i am going to take her and all of her crazy friends and they're going to become they would make good mormons if they just could see the truth and so in in their hallway their foyer they had some some tracks and i could say they were anti-mormon tracks and so i sneaked a few of those out put them in my pocket and went home with the intent of studying the, I am going to show these people where the real truth is. The problem was when you study with an open heart to really understand, it, it took me the wrong way. And, and I had to come to a conclusion that, well, if there is a God, he ain't the God of Mormonism. But thank God I was surrounded by a bunch of praying people who, who showed me the way and I, and I realized that yes, there is a God and he loves me just the way I am, but he doesn't want me to stay the way I am. And that's, that's one of the messages that we, we teach when we teach is God loves you. He, he loves you the way you, you are, but don't stay there. We, we come up, we come up to a new level of understanding and operation in the, in the kingdom of God. Um, We, we moved from, I was teaching school. I was a teacher and a coach and I was, uh, pretty good at it. I enjoyed it. But once I left the Mormon church, 
in a little Mormon community that was probably 95% Mormon at that time, uh, I started getting different assignments in my teaching. And nothing that I could take them to court about for discrimination, but it became so that, you know, we need to get out of here. So we left Utah, moved to, to, uh, Vancouver, Washington. And, you know, people used to say, well, the Northwest is such a dry area. Oh, it's a dry area. You know, when you come from Utah to anywhere, it's, it's not as dry as you might think. So we, we moved to Vancouver, Washington, eventually into Portland, Oregon. I, I was on staff. Well, I went there because I got a job at an airline as in reservations. Uh, didn't pay very much, but the benefits were not bad. So I got to fly free, which I did maybe once the whole time I worked there. But in that position, uh, we were going to a four square church and they offered me the, the chance to come and be the associate, the assistant youth pastor. Yeah, let's do that. And as long as I don't have to take, cause I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still just a child in, in things of God. And so I, I took that position that was, uh, youth pastor slash janitor. Uh, so I cleaned the church and, and did all that and, and loved it. I, I, it was, it was not, it was, I was happy to be there and happy to be doing that. And I found in my cleaning one day a little plaque that said, um, it, it said or, youth pastor, youth pastor. And I took it with no malicious intent or anything. I put it on the janitor's closet door. I thought it was funny. The pastor didn't think it was funny. <laughs> he made me take it down right away. But it was, again, it, it was, I was thrilled to be able to be there and, and be, be learning. I was just soaking in everything I could get. In fact, one, one of the things that happened there, and it changed our lives, really gave us a direction, uh, the pastor threw away a box of tapes in the, and, and we were living in the parsonage that was, was, uh, right adjacent to the church, threw it in the dumpster, and we went out there to throw some trash away and saw these tapes, and I grabbed them. They were tapes mostly of Kenneth Copeland and some brother Hagen, and, and hey, listen, we we listened to those tapes, and what was what was trash to them was a treasure to us. And and really, some of those forty, fifty year old teachings of of those people. In fact, our first Bible school was fifteen minutes of Brother Hagen, fifteen minutes of Charles Caps, fifteen minutes of, of Marilyn Hickey, and fifteen minutes of. Um, who did I leave out? Yeah, Brother Hagen. Yeah, okay, yeah. And and it was well, you know, talk about hour of power. That's what that was. We we really, uh, I mean, I learned so much there, and and we're still living off of what we learned from those tapes and those those radio programs uh, clear back then in in the in the seventies. Um, in in that position. As, as assistant youth pastor, I was invited to go to Portland Christian School, had a special night where they were offering free pizza and free Nike shoes. Come hear about Portland Christian because we want you to encourage your, your youth group to, to enroll. So, you know, free pizza, free shoes, you know, any youth pastor should go for that. 
So I went and I really didn't have a very good impression or, or understanding of what Christian education was. I always thought it's the last stop before reform school, you know, for kids that they, their parents couldn't handle them anymore. And, and, but what I found there at Portland Christian was a very good academic environment and they had sports. And, and I was a sport guy. You know, I, I coached football, wrestling and track. And when I say, when I explain that in Hungary, uh, I always have to say that, that it, it's, uh, the real football, American football, the, the kind Jesus and his disciples would have played, you know, it's not, not just kicking a little communist ball around there. Uh, so, and, and so I, I really enjoyed that. In fact, even today, sometimes when I'm teaching, I'll look at the, I'll look at the people in this, in the audience and I'll, I'll think of what they might think I'm here getting revelation from the Lord and I'm thinking, they'd be a good high jumper. Uh, and, and when I shake hands with people, I'll, I'll shake hands and I'll, I'll take their hand here and I'll grab their tricep with my other hand back here, just uh, checking to see if they'd be a good javelin thrower. You know, uh, I'm, I'm kind of breaking away from that, but it's still the coach in me comes out sometimes, but it, I enjoyed it. And, uh, so I, I told them that, and, and I had not been able to coach for a while now because I left my job in Utah. And they, I got the chance to go to Portland Christian. I said, you know, I, I can have, be flexible in the fall. You've got a football team. If you've got any, any need there, I might, uh, I could probably help a little bit. And the next Monday, the principal called me and offered me a job, uh, teaching PE and science and coaching as an assistant football coach and head track coach. And so, you know, I, I was thrilled to be back in it. Uh, it was actually we had prayed because I was, I knew God had called me into the ministry, but I missed coaching. I just really, there was something about it. I just enjoy working with kids and being able to, to help people, uh, do better in whatever it is they're doing. And so God opened that door for me and, and I was there for 12 years and I, I, this might sound like I'm bragging, and maybe I am a little bit, but I I was good at what I did. I was named the the Oregon High School Coach of the Year in track and field one year. I I was just recently inducted into the the Portland Christian Hall of Fame for for the things that I do out there. And I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm telling you that because when God called us into the mission field, it wasn't because I didn't have anything else to do, or that I didn't feel like I was being successful in what I was doing. I knew that God had something for us and, and we had started a little church there in Portland and, and Marta had been to Mongolia a couple of times and she was in Mongolia one time while I was house sitting for some people from our church, our little home church in Portland. And so I was out there and I, I, I had this inkling God was calling us to Mongolia. I did not want to go to Mongolia. I didn't want to be a missionary. I was 52 years old, and that's too old to be a missionary, or maybe it's too young to be a missionary, but it's something, it's not me. God, it's not me. Look. And, and what about my kids? You know, like God was, oh yeah, I guess I, I didn't think of that, you know. Uh, so, when I finally shut my mouth long enough to hear from God, 
I had, I, and I didn't hear an audible voice, audible voice, but I had an assurance that if I would be obedient to him, then I wouldn't miss anything. Because that was, you know, at 52, I was starting to think, well, I can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel now. We're, we're, our debts aren't quite as bad as they were. I can see that someday they may be paid off and we can enjoy our life. And going into the mission field wasn't part of that equation. But when I, when I got assurance that I wouldn't miss anything, because that's really what I was worried about. I didn't want to miss life. You know, I was big into sports. And I thought, I wonder how that's going to work out. But the thing, the thing is, when we got into the mission field, now we went to Mongolia, of all places. And I didn't know much about Mongolia other than it was cold and it was far away from everything else. And I was right. It was, it was cold. It was, Birds falling out of the sky because it was so cold. I mean, 50, 60 below is cold. And uh, that's one of the reasons we live in Florida now. But so so we we got this call to the mission field and actually she was in Mongolia while I when I got when I got the understanding and I was able to tell her. Now she was uh smart enough not to tell me that we're supposed to go to Mongolia. But I was able to tell her, I believe God's calling us to Mongolia. And so we did go to Mongolia. From Mongolia, we, we came back to a conference in Switzerland. <laughs> Talk about going from hell to heaven. It's, it's, you know, it, it was just frozen. We left Mongolia in June of the year we were there. The river in the middle of the town was still frozen over. We get to Switzerland and it's so green. Everything's green. And a pastor from Minnesota picked us up. And, uh, his name, Pastor Dan Dennison, I, maybe some of you might know him, but he met us at the table, or at the, at the, in the terminal coming out of the baggage, baggage claim. And he, uh, said, uh, uh, sprechen Sie Deutsch? This is in Switzerland. I said, no, he's me neither, brother. And so we, we got, we got in the car. And he started driving at 140 kilometers an hour, and he and I were in the front seat, three ladies in the back seat, and he and I are just giggling. I'm just happy to be, look how green it is out here. And so we're driving for an hour and a half, and his wife keeps saying, Dan, are we going the right way? Yeah, we're going the right way, ha, ha, ha. Well, an hour and a half, even he figured out we weren't, you know, when the signs the language on the signs start to change. We said, you in Switzerland, you know you're going the wrong way. Uh, and so we turned around and had to drive for an hour and a half back to just get back to where we started. And it kind of upset some people that were in charge of the conference we were supposed to be going to. But coming back from there, we stopped off in, in Budapest, where, where she is from, where her mother still lived, mother and father at that time. And... Next door to where her mother lived was was uh, now I'm getting my I'm getting my uh, my stories mixed up here. So we we went back and finished up in Mongolia and and moved to Hungary. Yeah, it was there. We saw the we saw the uh, I didn't have my story wrong. I'm right. It's been a long time since I've told it. So I can. But while we were there, there was a a piece of property right next to her mother in the heart of Budapest for sale. And I thought, now, maybe I, I did leave part of the story out. I had a stroke, meanwhile, before we went to Mongolia. 
God, God had called us. I knew he had called us. I had heard from him. And I had converse confirmation from Billy Brim, for one thing. She had told me basically word for word what I had heard from the Lord, that God was pleased with my decision, and because I was obedient, I wasn't going to miss anything. Well, you know, I am pumped now. I'm, okay, I'm a missionary there. And about three weeks later, I had a stroke and ended up in the hospital. And I knew at that moment that I had a choice to make, that I I could either accept what the doctors were saying and and spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair or maybe die, or you know, and thank God for the word of faith that we had already had a foundation and we we realized we had to keep some people out of the room that wouldn't, even from our own family, who thought they were helping out, but they were speaking negative things instead of life. Whenever in doubt, speak life. So it was it was recovering from that. Her mother was in an automobile accident at the same time, and we went back to Hungary to, so she could nurse both of us. And the night before, now we're, we're caught up and I'm back in, in the groove now. The night before we were to leave to come back to the States, I laid hands at midnight and I laid hands on that building that was for sale and claimed it, not for me, claimed it for the ministry. Because I, I thought, oh, this would be a good place for ministry. So I claimed it, Father, in the name of Jesus. I didn't fast and pray. We were in our pajamas at midnight, you know, out there hoping nobody sees. And, and, you know, I, I think my, my wife might have thought he's a little bit, you know, off center because of the stroke or whatever. But we did a few things on that trip that didn't make any sense. That was one of them. We opened a bank account or a, a post office box there. Didn't make any sense. And we didn't have any money to be buying property in Budapest. But, you know, within two weeks, we had all of the money to pay for that property before we even had all of our money together to go to Mongolia. So that that was there. And, and uh, to make a long story short, we ended up moving back from Mongolia to Hungary where we started a Bible school. I thought, oh, one, one Bible school, how hard could it be? We got we got um, all the video videotapes from Calgary, Canada, the Calgary Word of Faith Church had a, a Bible school where they'd have guest ministers come in. Uh, Rick Renner and, and some of the, you recognize a lot of the names, but uh, well, so we received the tapes. The problem was most of the tapes came blank. So we, we put the videotape in and, and there's a blue screen. And thank God they, they did an audio recording also. So what I would do, I'd plug in the auto tape and I'd listen to it as many times as I could over the, through the night and I would teach it the next day, which in a way was a little bit of an advantage because I was able to more fit it to the Hungarian ear than, than it would have been because the people that were teaching that in North America had no idea that it was going on anywhere beyond that room. And so we, we started that first year, ended up with 20, was it 22 Bible schools? In, in different towns in, in the, the surrounding countries there. Uh, we would have also, uh, we'd have our own videos, but we had, we'd video, uh, guest speakers that would come in. 
And, uh, so that, and that went on for quite some time. Um, recently we realized we had to redo that because they were, I mean, they were over 20 years old now. So last year we sat down and we, we set up a little studio in the corner of our kitchen and we, we, uh, recorded our own teaching, re-recorded it. We had other guest teachers come in uh, and and would, would record. So we redid three years of Bible school that is now in the hands of, of gypsy churches in Hungary and Romania. Now, I say gypsy because most Americans don't know what a Roma is. Roma is the politically correct word for gypsies nowadays. But uh, they... They have been such a put-down people. That's who we minister to. We, we, they are the lowest of the low. They're not the colorful musical gypsies. They are the ones that live in a in a house you wouldn't let your animals live in. But but that's that's who God sent us to, and we love them, and they love us. And we just were teaching today. We're, we've been we teach on Skype every Wednesday. We do their midweek service in uh, four churches. Now we we had at one time. But we start 14 churches, I believe. Uh, they're all still going, but at, at some point you need to let them take over. So we're working with four churches right now, and uh, and we record that the message that we we teach and we send it out uh, over the internet or over email to people. Some of the people that were in those original churches and are still with us in spirit, but uh, so that's. That's part of where we we were. Um, I think uh, I made a few notes here. Oh, one of the things we did that I'm I'm really now I'm, I know you're not supposed to be proud, but I'm, I'm pleased. Okay, we started an elementary school for gypsy kids in, in Romania because in Romania, if if a kid misses too much school by the time they're 11 years old, they don't let them back in. And, and the gypsies typically, they don't want, they don't push education for their kids. There are a lot of similarities between the Jews and the gypsies. And Hitler tried to kill them both. But the, the, where the, the, the typical, uh, Jewish family encourages their child to go out and become a, a doctor, a lawyer, some professional, some, make something of yourself. The gypsy family encourages their children to stay home and help us steal and and survive and do whatever we need to do to so we don't die. Uh, so when we started uh, pushing for for education for these kids, because once you can get some education, if you if you learn to read or write, it's going to be a help to you. See, a lot of the people in places we go cannot read or write. And so when, one of the things we teach most is the importance of getting the Word of God planted in your heart. And so tell people, if you can't read, find a, a faith buddy and, and get them to read it to you. Or, or make sure you're listening and, and you're tuned in every time you can to, to hear this. Um, it's, it's so important. And we're seeing changes. Now, uh, they, the gypsies have a reputation for stealing and, and for, you know, being rowdy and, and, and they well, they well earned that reputation. But we see tremendous changes and it's only by the word of God that, that brings this. Um, now, I, I just, real briefly, some of the things that we teach, 
in our in our Bibles, well, in our in our teaching, it's it's all uh, centered around faith. Everything we we do has somehow touches faith, and and uh, and really everything is connected to everything else. But we teach uh, faith. We teach uh, a lot about seed time and harvest. When you plant a seed, uh, it it comes it it comes back pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Um, it's it's interesting that the uh, that Pastor Pastor Dave used the uh, the and the scripture from uh, Luke six thirty eight for the for the offering Sunday, and you know, and I point out, you know, Jesus wasn't talking about money. Everything he was talking about. Your relationships, your friendships, how you treat other people, uh, and and everything is a seed, and and if you if you look at it that way, and and even the words we speak, which is another one of the things we talk about a lot, the, the that's what we're on right now is the power of words and speak words of life, and how important that is because otherwise, if you just it's so easy to talk about what's obvious. Uh, uh, but things are really bad. Well, is that what you want to prophesy over your life? You know, the, this COVID, this COVID thing is really taking over. It's not taking over me. Hey, it, it's going around me. Um, we teach healing, your authority as a believer, who you are in Christ Jesus. And probably one of the most important things I think we teach is that you have a responsibility for your own spiritual growth and for you to receive any of the promises of God, you have to get it planted in your heart. You must get the seed of the Word of God. You know, Mark 4, that's the first time I ever teach anywhere. I usually teach Mark 4 because it talks about seeds. That the sower sows the Word. And, and the seed is perfect. It's the heart that makes the difference. And so I just want to, uh, you know, I, I kind of give you the short version of, of all of this, and I appreciate the time, Pastor, that uh, I just want to let you know that uh, we're here. We brought a few. Uh, we don't have a website, but we have newsletters, and we have a Facebook page, if you ever want to look us up there. But I brought a few of the last three or four months' newsletters that we send out and if anybody would like to be on our mailing list, uh, as long as you promise to pray for us, we'll be happy to, to sign you up. So anyway, Pastor David, I'll turn time back over to you, and thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, brother. That was that was wonderful. We'll have to we'll have to do another version of this on on a, on a Sunday soon, and so more people can hear. Amen. But um, what a what a blessing your life and ministry is, and. Anything we can do to be a, a support and a help uh, in that um, as a congregation and a local church, we want to stand in that gap in that place. And um, if anybody would like to uh, be a partner with their ministry, I'm sure they can tell you how that you can do that. And uh, Brother Hagen told me one time, he says, you know, these pastors are crazy if they think, you know, he could be pretty bold. He said, these pastors are crazy if they think all the money that's going to be given is given right inside their four walls. He says, they'd like to control it like that, but it doesn't work that way. And so he said, you ought to encourage your people 
if they do outside giving, to, to do it where there's good soil, amen? In other words, give where there's production, where there's fruit. And we can certainly see in um, in the Lewis's life tremendous fruit, amen? And you come highly recommended from Rhonda, and she's got street cred here, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we appreciate your, your ministry. I wanted to just share... If you will look at Mark 16, I, I just wanted to share this, and that's all, and we'll go. Mark 16, verse 15, and this is really one of the foundational stones of our ministry, and has been since we started. Um, he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe, and my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. It's all divine protection there. That's not advocating snake handling. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Well, so th- those are the signs that follow gospel ministry. Amen. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now notice this. They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Who did the Lord work with? Those who preached the gospel. Amen. Uh, and confirming the word that they preached, that gospel message. So they didn't really, con- the Lord doesn't confirm people. He confirms his word. Amen. Somebody might, some people will say, well, I know a person that was preaching and getting souls saved and people healed and turned out they were an adulterer or turned out they were, you know, a thief or some other thing and said, why would the Lord do that? Why would the Lord put his seal of approval on that ministry? Well, he didn't put the seal of approval on the ministry. He put it on the word. A hyena could preach the word and have signs and wonders, I'm telling you. So, you know, it's not, it's the word that gets confirmed. You see what it says there? Confirming the word, not confirming their anointing, not confirming their calling. Well, now we do as preachers have a responsibility towards that calling. The Bible says walk worthy of the office, walk worthy of the thing you're called to. Amen. But it says here, uh, so we do have that, but, uh, that's why some preachers live, some of them live like the devil, and then they wonder why, you know, they never, they, they think that the Lord's honoring them because nothing ever happens negative, you know. So they say, well, I'm, I'm getting away with this. But the Lord's not confirming you, He's confirming the Word. It's also why the crusades and things that we've done and taking teams out and training them, I've told them, I said, you know, it isn't necessarily your prayer life that don't, don't pat yourself on the back. It isn't your prayer life that's producing miracles. It's the word of God that's producing miracles. Your prayer life is a thing of, of readying you for the master's use. Amen. But if you're not careful, you'll begin to tell folks that begin to think they're producing. But it says here that 
the Lord confirmed the word. That's all I'm saying is reading the scripture. He confirms the word. Should we pray? Yes. Should we fast? Yes. Should we be prepared? Yes. Should we live holy lives? Yes. Should we be uh, respectable in all that we do and say? Some folks, you know, I, I thank God this ministry, we have a strong revelation of grace and finished work and of righteousness. It's a foundation stone here. Acts, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, Ephesians 2.8 is one of our main scriptures. You're saved by grace. Through faith, it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Amen. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But on the other hand, you know, folks that live like the devil and then blame it on grace, it's, it's really wrong. Uh, it's, it's a lie. One thing, they're not, they're not in grace. I don't know what they're in. I think they're in the twilight zone somewhere. And they're calling it grace and it's not grace. That's no more grace than Shooting somebody and say, I love you with the love of the Lord. Well, I, I, I don't think you do. Right? If you shot me, you know, as you, as I'm gasping and dying, oh, by the way, I love you with the love of the Lord. Well, it doesn't, I, I'm not convinced. So to say that I'm under grace and then you're living like the devil and blaming on the grace, I don't think you are under grace. And in fact, according to the apostle Paul, you're under the law. And and uh, the Bible says the law is the strength of sin, and you've got some weird relationship with the law that you're rebelling against. And this is where you're at, and you are not in anywhere near grace and righteousness. The Bible says that um, the grace of God will lead us to holiness. It will lead us to righteousness. Amen? So if a person claims they're in grace and they're living worse than they did when they were under legalism. They haven't found grace. I don't know what they found. They might have found dope that they're smoking. But whatever they're smoking, they need a new dealer because they're getting some bad wacky weed. <laughs> so, um, I just wanted you to see that, that the Lord, however, does confirm the word. And I've told young people out there, you know, stuck them out there to preach the gospel and work miracles. Said, depend on the gospel that you preach. Don't depend. Don't think back. Well, I should have prayed another hour in the hotel before I came. I don't know if anything's going to happen. And I tell them, don't flatter yourself. God's not healing the sick because of you. He's healing the sick because of Calvary. He's healing the sick because of love and not to confirm your ministry. You know, every Rama student I would ever bring out on the road, they were going to use the mission field to prove if they're called or not. And I said, that is not the place to do it. In fact, you'll come away feeling like I'm not called at all. In fact, in fact, in fact, the last time I was in Brazil, we did this trip. As you know, we preached in, what did we ended up? 23 services in 14 days. In that many locations too. I mean, we moved every time, and we're out on the road again and bumping along, and the little roads and the little car, and poor Scarlet's on the hump, and you know, in the middle, and you know, here we're bumping along, and it's hot, and, and you know, we didn't get enough sleep, and got insect bites, and and I just went into this routine, you know. I think Scarlet's got it on video of me saying, "I have," she said. Pastor David, how do you feel about this fantastic mission trip? And I said, 
I said, it's a mistake. I'm not called to this. I, I miss God. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I need to go home and quit. You know, I mean, it was, a, it was a joke, but it was, it was how I really felt at that moment. I said, don't think that the mission field is going to make you feel all grand and glorious because it has the tendency to go the other direction and beat the snot out of you. <laughs> but then it gets rewarding. It, it, it is rewarding when you see the lives change. But, but I'm sure the Lewises can tell you that oftentimes we're still waiting for the glamour to kick in. Uh, well, uh, many times there's not a lot of glamour. And it's always the places that book you just one night that give you a nice hotel room. The other places, you know, when you, if it's going to be a week, it's going to be at a place with the name Palace or Royal in it, which is always a problem. If it's Palace or Royal, you know that it's a dump. You say, where are you staying? Oh, at the, you know, the Red Palace of the whatever. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. They said T.L. Osborne used to come in and say, boys, I got good news and bad news. They'd be in West Africa somewhere and said, the good news is the hotel is only $7 a night. The bad news is why it's $7 a night. <laughs> my mother here got smart at the end of her uh, traveling days with my dad. She got in a place if they went someplace too awful, she would say, I ain't staying here. <laughs> so mother is the smart one. That's why she's still 90 and alive. She didn't let them kill her. My dad would never say anything. He was just like, oh, smooth it over or whatever. But mother here would speak up. She'd say, Doc, I can't stay here. <laughs> Every now and then. We were in Alaska one time. <laughs> oh my God. They were going to put her in a little travel trailer blowing out on the tundra. <laughs> she said, I can't do this. So they moved to a hotel. Thank God. Hallelujah. Well, it's fun to laugh about it, ain't it? Meets crying. Yeah, that's the thing that counts. Well, my joke in Brazil got down to where I said, we're looking for the last known Brazilian to witness to, you know, because we were out in the, out in the nowhere. Anyway, I love this part. It says, confirming the word with signs following. And, uh, and other translations will actually say, confirming the word with the accompanying. And I like that. If you will preach the word, you'll have miracles, signs, and wonders. You might not have the flair of Benny Hinn or the dress of Catherine Coleman or some other exciting, exotic-looking thing, but you don't have to. You, can, you don't have to be a loud preacher. You don't have to scream like um, Rod Parsley or somebody. But you can actually, you know, until blood comes out your throat. You can actually just... Communicate quietly the gospel and the good news of Jesus one-on-one. You don't even have to be a called preacher to do it. You can be uh, just a good believer. Amen? 
And this is the believer's ministry. Because he said to them, it wasn't just those apostles, it was in the, then the following. It was to everybody. Amen? The whole world can preach this good news. And that's what it's all about, is getting people saved, getting them healed, letting them know God loves them. And uh, I like what um, uh, Brother Dan said tonight, that, uh, uh, you know, God loves you like you are, but he loves us too much to leave us like you are. Has anybody here grown since you first accepted Christ? Have you had any changes? You know, maturity? So now, thank God, you know, we're facing, I don't know, I don't even recognize Looks like something else, but, but we all have a peace. And, uh, we all have a, 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 a settled, a settled peace in our heart. Amen. We know that the Lord, through prayer, yeah, through, uh, you know, acceptable activism and being part of things, that, that we can turn it around. Amen. We're the salt of the earth. As long as the church is here, we're not going to just get run over and let things go and say, well, case the law, the law. You never know. No, we do know. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in us. God before us, we can be there. The devil's under our feet. He's under the feet of Christ, and we believe that in Jesus' name. Amen? Praise God for his word and his Wonderful works to the children of men. Let's lift our hands and praise Him tonight. Thank Him for the Word. Thank Him for the truth. Thank Him for the light. Lord, we praise You. We glorify You. We magnify You. We thank You for this service tonight. We thank You for those that have been watching on the live streaming, that they'll be touched and blessed. And Lord, we thank You for this great ministry here that's represented by the Lewises and, and in Eastern Europe. We thank You that the work forth and those dear people find Christ, find their authority, and uh, find that they know who they are in Christ. And it's not just a cold, dead letter of the law, you know, orthodox situation, but that there's true New Testament churches and ministries being raised up in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's... uh, Go tonight rejoicing.